0: Broadcasting live from somewhere beneath the New York Public Library, it's Brian and Eric Don't Belong Here. Hello to everyone listening live on twitch.tv slash goblinvoice and in the future, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brian, here as always with my handsome, unshakable colleague, Eric. What's going on, man? Uh, Despite uh, common belief, I am very shakable. I'm shaking right now.
1: (laughs) Very afraid of this topic
0: uh the okay I'll, I'll tell you my uh my handsome that's that is not up for debate but <laughs> un- but it's slightly shakeable. maybe currently shake currently <laughs> <shook>. <laughs> um uh we are we're once again we are joined by someone this week very excited to have her we're just one of our all-time favorite people to have on the show eric from astonishing legends in the midnight library Tess Feifel is here Get out of here. I had no idea. She was hiding behind a stack of books. Hi, Tess. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) Holy moly. (laughs) Tess, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out.
2: Definitely. I can't wait to be here.
0: Um, Tess, for those who don't know you, uh, could you give a quick, uh, what's your deal, man?
2: Yeah, um, I am the producer of Astonishing Legends, which is a podcast, uh, as well as the Midnight Library podcast, not the book. Uh, and I've been in the pod world behind, behind the people with the mics, uh, for about six years now.
1: Wow. Can, um, can I just say you just absolutely knocked our now official, Hey, what's your deal man segment out of the park? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was incredible.
0: Um, Tess, I also am afraid you are the only expert we can ever have on this show.
2: Yeah. Doctor Tess Yeah. <laughs> My dad wishes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, we have so much to talk about tonight that I don't want to dilly-dally too much. Um, Let's see. So I, guys, I don't know if you know this. I grew up 15 minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes from an actually like famously haunted house. I
1: feel like I I should know this.
0: I didn't know I was this close to it until doing research. I plugged it into Google Maps, and I was like, "Shit, I was right there." Um, this haunted house was the, this was uh, lived in by uh, some people called the Snedeker family, and uh, they made a movie about it in two thousand nine called "The Haunting in Connecticut." Um, this is a famous Connecticut haunting. It was a it was a uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren case say say which we'll get into that <laughs> um do you guys know much about this i do. i remember the movie
1: kind of uh i feel like i went to school i went to high school in connecticut
0: i feel like connecticut is kind of just overall a spooky place in a way it's it's got a spooky vibe it has yeah. it's an old state i think it's got a lot of potential yep. for um, I can. It's easier to find spooky Connecticut stuff than it is New York stuff. I'm constantly looking for New York stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It's because it's all secret in New York.
0: That's it. That's, that's right. God. That's it. We just haven't busted the doors wide open on it. Um, Tess, how familiar are you with this?
2: I saw this in theaters um, when I was in ninth grade, and I thought the main character was so dreamy. <laughs> I watched it back last night, and I was like, "This is a child."
0: <laughs> it, yeah, that- you know,
1: <laughs> sorry go ahead brian no 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 i was just gonna say apropos of nothing i was looking at images of uh the band hansen <laughs> the, yes. the other day and i was like wow these were the guys like these are the these were like ru- these guys were like ruining marriages <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, the, the Hanson boys yeah, um those- Anyway. I do I do believe the Haunting in Connecticut kid was a dreamboat in a couple yes. of things. Um but uh he gets uh he gets fucked up in uh, in that movie. As fucked up as someone in a, a PG thirteen movie can possibly get. Dark Hansen. Um, that's it. I'm,
1: the I'm Dark Hans the Dark Hansen. The dark
2: Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: occult Hansen. <laughs> we, Brian, if we are one occult boy band, what are we? I feel I, like we're kind of have like a Backstreet Boys vibes not at all. <laughs> yeah,
0: the problem is there's only yeah, there's there's only two of us is the thing. Yeah, and there that, aren't that, many that is good that is two-piece boy bands. Yeah, that's, that's um, a fair point. Um yeah, I'm, I don't I'm know.
1: looking at the posters from the movie now and I got to say they really lean into this kid just vomiting ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that image just comes up yeah. relentlessly. <laughs> um
0: before before we get into the uh the actual uh the events of the Haunting in Connecticut, yeah. um they made a sequel to the movie. And sequel I am using in the loosest possible terms. Eric, can you possibly guess what they named the sequel to the Haunting in Connecticut?
1: Is it uh The Haunting in Connecticut 2, The Hauntingest? <laughs>
0: Even even crazier. Okay. Buckle your asshole. The haunting in Connecticut, <laughs> wow. Ghosts of Georgia. What? You can't do that. You can't state. do that. That's
2: ridiculous.
0: It's there is no mention of the state of Connecticut. Uh-huh. It is completely just takes place in Georgia.
2: Sure. It's branding.
0: That's exa- yeah, yeah, yeah. But still you can do like the a uh, haunt or the haunting thing. There were ways around this. Um, is it like the same ghost squad or anything no there is no relation
1: okay gotcha it's just (laughs) a haunting in a state
0: (laughs) it's also it's also directly it's a direct to dvd kind of equivalent thing and chad michael murray is in it (laughs)
2: Another dream,
0: another dream boat another dream um, boat but the haunting in Connecticut the event that we're talking about tonight um, I mentioned before is kind of one of a more known haunting there have been books documentary specials There was the 2009 movie it's pretty everywhere and I think it's kind of moved. it's kept its grip through time because man it's got kind of everything it's got ghosts it's got exorcism Eric mm-hmm. Get ready for this. It's yeah, got dark go. necromantic magic. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's right up my alley. We got we got the lair of a necromancer in here. <laughs> That's very fun. Um so like a lot of these types of things, there are several people involved that adamantly insist this happened and there are like just as many ardent detractors. I'm going to like tell the story first kind of and i think we should kind of just lean into taking it at its word right um and then after that we can kind of get into kind of the (sighs) mounting evidence that it was all an elaborate hoax maybe (laughs) not even that elaborate sound good okay i love that um Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and, you know, we, we can kind of give both sides here and everyone can decide for themselves what they actually believe. Um, I also want to throw out there real fast. This is a bit of a weird one to talk about. The victims of the haunting, the Snedeker family. They've described some, like, pretty disturbing incidents of a sexual nature. Mm-hmm. I'm going to avoid focusing on that during our dumb haha ha ghost podcast. But just be on your guard. If you're sensitive to that kind of thing, it might come up. Um T- tune in, tune in on Wednesdays for our other par- podcast, Dark Ghost sex
1: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we like to silo those two right. topics in different That's a different show. Never the two shall meet. No, never, never. <laughs> Except kind of in our Viking sex magic episode. Yeah, Yellow that one Pikes. got
0: that one went there.
1: <laughs> uh, wait before we begin test, may I ask you uh, a general question? Yes? Um, so I think the, le- you, you were a guest on our show many moons ago in the original incarnation of Brian and Eric Gump along here. And I think we kind of covered this then, but before we dive in, uh, and I guess, Brian, stop me if this will, if this will ruin any of the the mood or the vibe, but uh, yes, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready
0: on the silence button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's pretty, pretty essential. Actually. One of your <laughs> the most important functions.
0: We uh, both really need that button Yeah,
1: absolutely. to get yeah, each I mean, other with we need a third party uh no but tess what what is your like um do you have a general kind of orientation to this stuff like are you more on the skeptic side the the believer side the scully side the Mulder side? do you, where do you kind of fall with regards to not this case specifically but sort of the occult in general and i know you've sort of had some experiences and things like that
2: yeah, I mean, just to keep it uh, short and spooky, I don't know what's happening, but something's happening. That's kind of my mm-hmm. approach uh, sure. before the podcast and working in it and living it. Uh, yeah. I pretty much was in it for the stories and for you know the weird Reddit threads, but you know, as I've researched, as I've dug into things, talked to scientists, audiologists, all these things. Um, there's definitely something going on. Um, but I definitely mm. consider myself a skeptic, right? Because I, there's yeah, no yeah. one phenomenon, even what happened to me that I've ever taken at face value.
0: For sure. For sure. Interesting. And you know, I, I, I think I'm kind of the same way of like, I'm very open to it, but you know, <laughs>
2: skeptic is not a bad word. It's not. I agree.
0: I agree. Totally agree. I agree.
2: The bunker is that those are no fun nuns
0: yeah no fun, even, even <laughs> if you're right so what oh boo i believed in something for a minute yeah
2: exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. i was swept away sue me right. <laughs> uh okay guys it's right,
0: 1986 it. and the snedeker family uh are from upstate new york there's a husband a wife a couple of kids uh, and they're dealing with kind of a family tragedy. Um, their 14-year-old son, Philip has cancer. Obviously a terrible stress no family wants to go through. Um, the plan is they're going to rent a place in Connecticut to be closer to the Yukon Hospital where he's receiving treatment. Budget is a concern, and they end up finding a great deal in this beautiful large house in Southington on Meriden Avenue. Uh, with it so far, and it's just like just really stressing out being about, it's about being closer to the hospital, they're gonna make it work. Um, Dad's gonna come down on the weekends and be at the house. Um, But uh, two things are notable, first and foremost. The kids immediately do not like the house. Just bad vibes out the fucking gate. and uh, Carmen, the mother, says that Philip, the uh, the sick fourteen year old, like said to her, "This place is evil. We have to leave." Which hmm. I would I would officially God. say is spooky to hear from your teenager.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. I'll say too. Like I feel like if if your kid, if your child has a serious illness, like you, if nothing else, you just, you want them in a place like it's kind of a good vibes
0: only territory. Yeah, you know what I mean. You yeah, want
1: feeling nice, feeling stress free as much
0: as you can. It's but to you know, to her credit, like you gotta get close to the hospital for sure, for sure. And you know, if budget's a thing, and like you got this family of five, um, they've also taken a nie- in a niece, um, I believe as well. Um, it's I I can see this at this point being quite a complicated situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Um, But okay, so secondly, the second concerning thing, Al, the husband, discovers in the basement all sorts of of embalming equipment and tools. Classic. It turns out, until semi-recently, this house was the Hallahan funeral home.
1: Oh,
0: God. It was a fucking funeral home. Eric, would that spook you? you... I think I'd be all right with it. (laughs) But... Can I actually tell? You, I'll tell you a, a very quick aside. So
1: please I do, live, please do. Uh, my senior year of college, I lived in uh, a Buddhist monastery, believe it or not. But it oh, was, shit. it was previously, before before the monks took it over. It was a, it was a crematorium and a funeral home oh, in Brooklyn, and there was some weird <laughs> shit that happened there. So I've lived in a former place like that, and there were definitely like it was chill, it was fine, but there was definitely there was a spook factor for sure.
0: Oh man, okay. Okay. I
2: live uh, one door down from a converted funeral home uh, and it's full of basement apartments. There's three basement apartments on the cool. bottom. No complaints from the neighbors that I've met, but it's right yeah. on the corner across the street from a walk up Dunkin Donuts, which I think is more haunted.
0: That it probably. actually, it probably is. Every, fun fact, and you'll only hear this here on Brian and Eric don't belong here. Every single Dunkin Donuts is haunted.
2: <laughs> yep. And yeah, there is at I least one
1: ghost. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's our show thesis <laughs>
2: That's why the um, coffee's so unpredictable.
0: That's yeah, that's right. it <laughs> yeah, um, okay, so for some fucking reason, they make the old like basement mortuary fill up the sick teenager's bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> which okay. I'm, I'm gonna throw out there bad idea for sure. That's what um, I
1: mean. It's like, I feel like you just want to stack every karmic chip on your side in this right. situation. You know what I mean? Like, right. your kid's in a bad fight. You want to, like, just really stack the deck in your favor.
0: <laughs> in the movie, the movie does a lot of work to uh, make that make any sort of sense, where, like, oh, the bathroom's close by. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so the next two years are fucking rough for the Snedekers. Uh. The kids begin seeing people in the house, especially it. in the basement. Uh. They report seeing two. There are two figures they report seeing, like pretty distinctly. Uh, there is a man with long dark hair and black eyes, and an like older that. man with white hair in a pinstripe suit. I hate that more. Okay. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. Um. So Philip frequently hears whispering in the house often a male voice repeating his name or beckoning him back down into the basement okay yeah no no thanks no thanks really. um in order to, here's another thing that's like Alright. Uh, Al removes the light bulbs in several rooms in an attempt to save money on some electricity, but mm-hmm. multiple family members report seeing lights flickering in several rooms anyway. Can oh. I just say
1: something? Uh-huh. That is the ultimate dad named Al move. hundred <laughs> oh, <100%. laughs> percent. It's like, Ghost, this light bill's scaring the pants off of me! We're getting rid of half these bulbs! Like... <laughs> Just, <laughs> just the
0: most al move.
1: That's max. That's yeah, maximum al. <laughs>
0: um, one of the uh, one of the brothers, um, uh, reports seeing his sister playing with the light switch, turning okay. the lights on and off. She runs out of the room, um, and down the stairs. He comes down the stairs to learn that his sister's been in bed for like an hour. Oh. God.
1: Uh-
0: uh, just proper spooky shit. So Alan, Car- Alan and Carmen believe the kids are just spooked by the funeral home thing, and they largely don't believe what what's being told. Yeah. Um, which I feel, because y- is a mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If all your kids are saying we're seeing spooky shit, may- maybe it's time to consider something spooky's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So eventually. After many many rounds of like very difficult treatment, uh, Philip's cancer goes into remission. Uh, obviously wonderful, but things on the haunted front take a turn for the even worse. Uh, Philip's mood starts growing worse. He's making disturbing drawings and he's writing a lot of poetry with a necrophiliac theme. Okay, which. Oh. Yikes is, um, concerning. Um, the family writes this off kind of as like dealing with the fallout of, you know, nearly dying from a terrible terminal disease. Um, but, uh, it's when Philip attacks his cousin Tammy, uh, the doctors have to get involved. Philip is diagnosed with schizophrenia and is sent to be treated at a psychiatric hospital for several, which is just heartbreaking, right? Like, you go through what? this cancer thing, and it's terrible. Is he,
1: is he still battling the cancer at this point?
0: The cancer goes into remission.
1: Okay. Gotcha. And um, then replaced with this terrible other thing. Okay. Right. Uh, so, when you said necrophiliac poetry, by the way, I just had an image of him, like, with bongos, like, presenting to his family these <laughs> poems he wrote. <laughs> and just people, like, throwing up in the plants.
0: Like... <laughs> Gather round. Philip's going to read from his diary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with the, the s- little hat. Snap,
1: the, what's the hat?
0: The dying. beret. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, if I were clever at all, I'd say everyone has to write a necrophiliac poem right now, but that, we'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tess, what's going through your brain right now? Because you, you said you watched the movie recently. This is the necrophiliac poetry didn't make the movie.
2: No, you know, they left that out and, you know, the <laughs> insane asylum part
0: mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wait, yeah, God, how, that's true.
1: How old is Philip at this point?
0: Philip, uh, let's see, it's, be, it's between 14 and 16. Okay. Just tough. Yeah. Um, But uh, Philip warns Carmen, his mother, it's going to come for you now. As he's sent away for several weeks. Um, And what do you know, things start getting a little crazier. Al and Carmen report hearing loud, discordant music blasting in the house late at night, not coming from anywhere. Um. Let's see. Carmen mops the floor and reports the water mo- momentarily seems to become blood. Um, That's the a docu- thing. The document. What? Sorry. What's that? What do you mean? It's a thing?
2: That's a very popular like possession of a house or like sure. entervice thing is the mm. transformation of like natural substances into like other natural substances. So like in the Black Monk of Pontefract, uh, it starts snowing
0: oh, in the house. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
2: And there's Very puddles everywhere. Yeah, ghosts like wet stuff. So ghosts take love that as you wet will. stuff. <laughs> ghosts <laughs>
0: love that wet stuff. Eric, the water park. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's, like That's ectoplasm. Right. It's all they have.
0: Eric, do you turn, Eric, so if this is your first time listening to the show, uh, Eric has said in the past, I'm obsessed with this, clearly. Eric has said, I asked him what he would do first thing if he was a ghost, and he said, haunt a water park. Eric, would you turn the wave pool into blood, or is that too much? Is that too far?
1: That's a great, it depends on the extent of my powers, I think. But no, I think I want to keep it water, because I want to keep everybody there just hanging out.
0: Right, that's true. You can't just give it away. You can't just make it a haunted water park. That's right. That's then, right. then it becomes a tour. Then they're no longer not expecting it, and that's half the fun of being a ghost that's at a water park. Exactly, bingo, bingo. Yeah, glad we, glad we figured that out. Uh huh um i can't believe that has to come up every episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) it certainly does (laughs)
0: um okay uh so here's another kind of classic haunted house thing you'll hear a lot of carmen also reports several incidences of plates and cabinets moving on their own she sets the table and the plates put themselves away uh or take themselves out when she's looking away um pretty classic see that in poltergeist Yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah um Here's a big one, here's here's a real game changer. Carmen is attacked in the shower by an invisible force, uh, seemingly trying to suffocate her with the shower curtain. She is saved by her niece, Tammy, during this event. Um, There are a bunch of other kind of disturbing incidences. I uh, mentioned I was gonna keep those things kind of light, but basically uh, both Al and Carmen report that they have been sexually abused by spirits in the night. Which maybe it's time to go for sure. You know, what's interesting about this, and Tess,
1: maybe you could speak to some of this, is like I feel like this falls into a very classic uh spirit attack or poltergeist pattern where it feels like it kind of gains momentum and power, like it starts as little sounds and maybe uh like visions or hallucinations, and then it starts to ramp up where it's like they're changing water into blood, they're moving plates around, and then it escalates to actual physical attacks. Like, it kind of snowballs into something uh, more and more tangible as they go.
2: Well, the more we notice something, the more they notice us, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So
2: that's usually the belief. Like um, It's kind of the same thing that uh, saying, like, in exorcism movies and stuff, uh, a demon's name is really powerful, that... That reference, Mm -hmm. that understanding of who and what something is, is really powerful. And that state of unknowing, of human unknowingness, when we come into contact with these things, just leads us into a state of denial and acceptance. And they just feed off that chaos. It's the same reason why a lot of poltergeist stories center around children going through puberty.
0: Hmm. Got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense, right? That's a very... (laughs)
2: It's emotional and like cancer and they kind of touch on that in the movie, like these points where we're just like hormonally, physically, biologically in chaos, that chaos Mm -hmm. comes into us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. Um, So um, this actually kind of, I think... um, ties into what we were just talking about. The Snedekers reach out to a priest. Uh, there are a couple of Catholic churches in Southington. Uh, Saint, I, did, I did the Google mapping. St. Thomas is the one right around the corner, so I assume it was someone from there. Um, but a uh, Catholic priest basically tells them to ignore it. The evil feeds on the fact that they're giving it attention. Uh, and this, that I literally have written in my notes here, this aligns with some of the things we've heard. Um, the Snedekers, however, do not like this advice. Uh, mm. Hi, if you're just joining us, we uh, this is Brian and Eric do along here. We're talking about uh, The Haunting in Connecticut, a uh, haunted house in Suddington, Connecticut that I lived 15 minutes from. We're here, of course, with Tess Feifel from Astonishing Legends. Um, and uh, we've learned all about this uh, terrible haunting the Snedeker family <laughs> has dealt with. Um... Let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay. So, uh, the family does not like this advice. That's not good enough. Which I you know, it's in the safety of our homes right now, of our hopefully unhaunted homes, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like if I was dealing with a ghost situation, maybe I would also not be happy with the priest telling me just ignore it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you want yeah, someone to do homework. something. Exactly. <laughs> A hundred percent. Just walk around with a rosary and say you did something. Maybe. They're... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So the Snedekers are desperate for a more proactive approach. Carmen reaches out, of course, to famous Connecticut ghost hunters Ed and Lorraine Warren. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm a. Uh, I'm a Connecticut boy, so obviously I'm a big fan of the Warrens. Um. Some some heavy skunk on that, but um, uh, you may be familiar with the Warrens. Um, they uh, a fictionalized version of them are the main characters of the Conjuring franchise of films that have made um, a lot of money. Um, and uh, so the whole thing is that uh, Lorraine Warren is a powerful, clair- was a powerful clairvoyant, able to um, see and speak to spirits. Uh, Ed is a self-taught demonologist and sort of serving as like a consulting Sherlock Holmes for the Catholic Church when dealing with demon situations. Um, their home is the largest private collection of haunted objects, and they are of course. The uh, in-laws of patron Saint of Brian and Eric, Tony motherfucking Sparrow. Tony motherfucking
1: Sparrow. <laughs> Can I say what a tragedy it is that uh, that they were not like a power couple in the age of Instagram? Like how amazing, amazing uh, their Instagram would have
0: been? Ugh. uh. Truly. I really missed that. It's uh, it you know it. I'm sure when 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 we take a look at later kind of the ways they utilized television, um, you can yeah. definitely maybe get an assumption of how uh well they would have done in our uh. God, they would have had a podcast, and it would have been way better than ours, Eric. Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: percent. Let me ask you. Let me ask you, like, a context question here. So, uh, it's it's around this time in Connecticut, I'm going through some kind of haunting or some kind of occult activity. How do I find the Warrens? Like, how do I even know they're a thing? Do they have like um, newspaper ads, or are they are sort of, cele- are they kind of celebrities, or what's the, the
0: deal? Um, so we are we're in like 1986, 1987. The Amityville Horror has happened. Uh, and okay, was a nationwide phenomenon, and of course gotcha. they were highly, highly tied in with that. Gotcha. Um, they also and,
2: gave a lot of talks at colleges, like near yes. weekly, mm-hmm. uh, and oh, libraries, and those so things. Smart. Yeah.
0: So smart. Wow. My uh, my mom, when she was in high school, went to one of their talks and said it was weird. Oh, <laughs> oh you told me. To yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um. So the Warrens, of course, are happy to come in um, and uh, they assess kind of the dark secrets of this house. Um, and what what Ed Warren says is that this funeral home was apparently an operation for satanic necromancy ceremonies and necrophilia. A lot of angry spirits here are basically all of the defiled and disrespected deceased trapped here.
2: Naturally. Um,
0: um, I can't find anything specifically tying, uh, it, but I assume I mentioned, um, the kids seeing this high cheekbone, black eyed, black haired figure and an older man like figure yeah. assume evolved to that somehow. Got it. Um, so, uh, now here, uh, We'll get we'll get into it out there's some obvious questions here and we'll uh we'll we'll get into it pretty soon um, so the Warrens and their team spend spend the next couple of weeks in the house gathering all of the evidence that they can um, so that they can request an exorcism from the Catholic Church Exorcisms, of course, are incredibly rare and there's this wildly high bar to clear to be granted one. Um, So they spend weeks, the entire family and the investigative team, like in the living room, sleeping on couches and stuff, gathering what information they can so that Ed Warren, who apparently just has a fucking through line to the Hartford Hartford Archdiocese um, and was instrumental in getting a couple of exorcisms performed. Um... So, uh, John Zaffis, a paranormal investigator and frequent collaborator of the Warrens, he apparently sees a demonic apparition in the basement that shakes him so much, he quits. He straight up leaves the investigation. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, he, uh, he's in several of the documentaries. He's like, nope, I saw something in the- I saw someone in the basement. It was terrible. I don't want to talk about it. I fucking left. Wow. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Okay. Um let's see here um so the details are a little unclear moving forward here but ed manages to secure an exorcism from the catholic church the exorcism is performed on september sixth, 1988 and according to the snedekers all the spooky paranormal t- activity ceased after that point point. and that's the yeah. haunting in connecticut i would now like to open up the floor for questions because boy i have some <laughs> <laughs> So what,
1: do we have more information on what happened, like, during the exorcism itself? Not
0: really. It apparently, it seems that it went off without kind of a hitch. It went fine. It dispelled all the angry spirits.
1: So what do they, they exorc, they they performed the exorcism sort of on the house itself, not a particular part. That is
0: the Warrens do say, and that's a thing that I have, um, also had questions about. According to the Warrens, spirits can possess objects. Sure. Um, to some capacity. I think a lot of the paranormal community uh, disagrees with that. Tess, do you know anything about that?
2: Um, I don't know a lot, uh, but I think, you know, if you believe in this grand unified theory of the paranormal... The things that we are afraid of will map to things we're familiar with. So, I think the fact mm. that we're now starting to see stories of haunted computers and phones and stuff is mm. maybe not the ghosts getting smarter. So, maybe they're not actually possessed, but that um, mental unwellness of thinking, you know, a doll or a box or whatever is talking to you uh, could contribute to their power, even if it's not technically possessed.
0: Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> very, very I, interesting. I
1: mean, it, it, it kind of makes, I, I feel like there's certainly many stories of haunted objects. You know what I mean? Like different artifacts or things that become cursed or haunted.
0: So it kind of- uh, makes The Annabelle, of course, in the, yeah, in exactly. the, in the Warren's yes. Museum. Exactly, exactly.
2: Ms. Oh, speaking Annabelle. of that,
0: speaking of that, I recently watched, uh, let's see, Annabelle, uh, I watched both Annabelle Creation and Annabelle Comes Home. I quite liked both. Um Okay. I thought they were silly fun times, but dude, get Eric. You're not going to believe it. I was so excited. I almost texted you like in all caps. Our <laughs> boy, Tony Sparra gets a little cameo in a, a character. Does he? A, a little boy character is uh shadowed to be Tony Sparra, And wow, I, incredible. I got up on my couch and like screamed for my wife. <laughs> 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 he's coming was, on the pod we're gonna get him on he's the pod. coming on the pod it's so i found out last year um there was a paranormicon hosted by uh tony spera in waterbury connecticut and if it happens again if it's happening this year we're going dude
1: i was gonna go to paranormicon at the start of the pandemic and it was canceled and of course this was a
0: different one right this was uh
1: this was it this was at a high school in new jersey <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know <laughs> Which I think is the only place you're actually legally allowed to hold the paranormal convention. So yeah,
0: can't can't imagine another place. Yeah, no. Um, uh, That's dude, but this this Tony Sparrow paranormal con, uh, Annabelle was there last year. Uh huh. And we, we gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah, we <laughs> do.
1: I'm 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 super game. Wow. And then
0: we'll go. We'll become friends with Tony Sparra. He will let us hang out in the museum. He'll let us do a show from the museum. I think so.
1: I think I don't see why I wouldn't do that.
0: No, this all—it's <laughs> chaos magic. I'm gonna manifest this into being. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell
2: yeah!
0: Uh, so now we have <laughs> a whole. Can just can I just tell
1: Please? you? I'm on Tony Sparrow's Instagram right now. <laughs> is of his top six posts one is a i stand with ukraine banner one is a close-up of sausage and peppers and one is him in an all-white suit that's that's my social media oh my thing.
0: god i love tony sparrow <laughs> so much
1: rules tony's the greatest guy awesome okay
0: <laughs> um god god what a man yeah
1: <laughs> the, the caption to the sausage and peppers post is yeah i'm italian <laughs> <laughs> tony oh i love it the, the best okay i love it sorry
0: okay uh let's see so there's a whole media blitz around the haunting in connecticut um and uh, so we get a book We get a couple of documentaries. We get a whole bunch of media appearances, of course, side by side with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, now we have some debate here. Uh, so here's the thing. The book, the book was called in a dark place. Um, And uh, the writer of In a Dark Place, who I'm actually going to Google right now because I didn't write it down like an idiot. Um, (laughs) In a Dark Force, Shuchi. I can't find it. Um, But he immediately kind of separated himself from the uh, veracity of the book. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, he says that, uh, so he did some interviews with the Snedeker family and, uh, he says that like a lot of their stories didn't really line up. Uh, and when he went to Ed Warren with this, Ed Warren reportedly said, who cares? They're crazy. Take what you got. Make it spooky. <laughs> Whoa. Which is pretty damning, Right.
1: Well, let me let me ask you this question, and not to you not not to cast aspersions here. Uh, I think we're I think we're in that part where that's fair game. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm I'm going to cast some aspersions. No, isn't it? Uh, isn't isn't this a potentially recurrent theme with the Warrens? Like some kind of collabor potential collaboration yes. with the subjects of the haunting or the victims
0: this? Of the uh, this seems to be the way the Warrens uh-huh. kind of keep the money rolling in. Sure, sure, sure. Well, the um,
2: author, what it, it was a horror novelist. So this right. is technically the way it was sold as a nonfiction novel, which is an oxymoron. <laughs> right,
0: fair, fair uh, point. <laughs> Tess, you you threw down a note. It's Ray Garten. Ray Garten is the name of the uh, the author. Um, I have I have seen I have read in places in on Twitter that he sometimes roasts people who talk about the haunting in Connecticut. So.
2: Oh, yeah. He gives some very interesting interviews. I was looking at it last night because I didn't remember the Warrens weren't mentioned at all in the movie. Mm. And I was like, that's weird. That's usually like an easy cash grab. Um, But I think it's because there was some kind of like not NDA, but some kind of writing agreement because the Warrens only hired ghostwriters. They never actually wrote any books themselves or anything. And they hired a lot of the time novelists as writers because no one ever said this but of course they are more imaginative than maybe your typical historical you know biographer
0: the the thing about a lot of the warren stories is that uh the only real source we have is ed fucking warren you know (laughs) right Right, and ed keeps coming across all these demons that only he can fight um i'd argue in a lot of ways uh that the warrens weren't like selling anything people weren't buying (laughs) but um i think overall it's kind of harmless kind of i mean it's kind of a great deal like imagine you live in sort of a weird house
1: you hit up the warrens they sit you down and they're like look this is all fake, but we can all get rich and we're going <laughs> right. to tell a good yarn that kids are going to talk about on a podcast like 30 years from now. <laughs> I
0: And like, I think there is some like complicated stuff under the surface, but like that in mm. of itself does not bother me at all. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Like I said, not selling anything people aren't buying. Exactly. Um, but um, it's so there is um, some additional disputes, though. The Snedeker family also does not like the book. Um, and sort of disputes the book. Um, They do not agree that it is entirely accurate. Um, uh, uh, Carmen has said in the past, um, it was like she just had to give somebody else permission to tell their story. Hmm. Um, And uh, so she's also had, and she now has issues with the Warrens. She feels like they were used by the Warrens to propel their fame, um, rather than actually kind of help her family. Um, which are interesting, uh, interesting fighting words to throw down, I think. <laughs> For sure. Um, so here's kind of, uh, I would, what I would actually like to do now is I'd like to pull up a clip. Does that sound good? That'd be yes. great. Uh, I have here an episode of Sally Jesse Raphael. Raphael, uh, which was a daytime syndicated talk show, um, largely of like the tabloidy variety. Um, I'm sure this probably aired around between two and 4 PM, you know? Um, and, uh, it's, it's going to be Buckwild. I've seen it before. I don't think there's anything too, too sensitive at this point. I think we've passed it. Um, but be on your guard if you're, if you're particularly sensitive, um, because some things might get mentioned uh, that I talked about earlier. Um, give me a moment here to um, pull up the clip here. Um, let's, of course, remember that this is an audio podcast and uh, the people listening won't be able to uh, see the video like the people live can right now, but they'll be able to hear it.
1: And Carmen and their family about a chilling story. They wrote a book about it called In a Dark Place. This is Sally story talking, a we see the book. And they wrote this book along with Ed and Lorraine Warren, who have been with us before. They are the professional Ghostbusters, who Alan Carmen said saved their lives. Ed, you both launched an investigation into the house, and you discovered a very shocking thing that actually happened in the funeral parlor involving the bodies. What happened? Well, we feel a, if you're used to uh,
0: Patrick Wilson in, in the, um, or, uh, yeah. the Conjuring movies, Ed Warren does not quite <laughs>
1: that not necessarily by the undertaker, match that. Could be Patrick that Wilson is there. a very
0: attractive man. Now, and Ed Warren
1: is Ed Warren. This show has brought on
0: deniers like their neighbors, the who defense. are like, "You're lying." That the <laughs> church
1: was involved in this. Who was the priest? Everyone seems okay. to have a disagreement. We can tell you that the chancellery was involved. The priest that was involved there was a Father A, who was on 2020, and there was also three other priests. And this can be borne out through the official records of the Chancellery in Hartford. Yes.
2: How about a name? Just one name. Don't <laughs> don't <have to laughs> give a <the> name. <laughs> a full Why name. We give you I name? These are secret things. We it's, are kept like secret. Respect. You're sitting
0: here talking about being raped and sodomized by some sort of entity. Right.
2: But you were all a backed name. up. I'm it was I'm all backed up. I'm not telling you what up.
1: happened to me. I'm not, I'm not telling you what happened to me. you, you got to believe me. We had investigators. I'm telling you, you what happened Were you in the house? You did not have a standing I that lived, lived
2: across know. the street before you were people a member Were you in open the open house out. still yeah. no doubt?
1: one of the ones that came around the house go boo,
0: boo through the window? No, once you guys start doing
1: this in
0: the paper, it's pretty Jerry Springer esque, for lack of a better word. But uh, you know it's you kind of get a sense there of Ed's general demeanor of there are records there are records I'll be gone by the time you trying yeah, yeah, to find any yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious that the guy was like how about a name <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um so it's it's a lot a lot of that yeah. Um uh but so here's where I'm kind of sitting on it, maybe. Based on kind of what we have, based on the, um, the infighting that has happened among kind of the writer, the Warrens, and the Snedeker family, I think maybe the Snedeker family believes something happened in their house.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, do I also think maybe that was elaborated on? Uh, sensationalized uh, for the sake of cash. Because let's not forget, we're the Amityville Horror has happened. That book, that movie. There are now been several movie sequels. Surely, mm. pretty good payers for everybody involved. And part yeah, of me, yeah. part of me, like imagines here. There's an element of Ed putting on his tan coat and just like, well, where's the haunted house this week? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like we can re up that. um um, I also think we're at a interesting height in American culture where, you know, in the eighties, we're kind of in this like, um, post Ronald Reagan era, um, religion is down, um, mm-hmm. kind of core American family nuclear family values are up. Um, and we have a lot of anxiety of like the kids don't really like religion.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> and right. I <laughs> think that maybe ties into some of these, um, fears if you will of like mm-hmm. of the haunted house of the the um the devil comes home if you will uh the state of arizona in the chat asked uh was this the satanic panic era i think we're certainly on the tail tail end of what we think of as the satanic panic correct me if i'm wrong no that's right yeah um but um Overall, overall, I don't know. I, I think the Snedeker family was certainly haunted by something, even if not um, spirits. <laughs> um, you've, got, you've got a 14-year-old with cancer, you, and then later a schizophrenia diagnosis. Um, you're hard up for money. You've got an opportunity here. That is heavy on a family, I think
1: for sure. Yeah, even just the I think even just the stress of the illness and uh having a having a child go, you know, sink into a deep mental illness like like schizophrenia, that's probably going to create just from the stress alone like some weird perceptions of th- I don't know any what what else may or may not have happened, but that alone is going to like that's going to create some
0: stuff in your reality. I feel like that's not particularly pleasant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that ties into, you know, it's the, the author of the Ray Garton talked about how there were inconsistencies in their story when he was writing the book, it's hard to get a straight fact of like a straight record of what happened. Even my little summary, I had to take little liberties in order to make it make sense. Hmm. Um, it's, um, they're talking about like the sexual assault by the spirits and that's happening like. But they're also saying they don't. You know, they're saying like we're being sexually assaulted by spirits. But they're also saying we don't believe our kids when they're saying they're seeing ghosts. And it's like all the stuff doesn't quite line up. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which I think is interesting. Um, I think with
2: storytelling too, though, with paranormal events, one thing that's important to remember is like, have you ever tried to retell a story from like a time you were terrified? Or like, even like describing the first six months of the pandemic to someone, like what you did. Absolutely, Our Man. minds kind of fail to like, you know, we can usually have like gestalt images and narratives and we can piece things totally. together. But when something disrupts our reality, it warps our ability to tell a narrative because time or being is no longer A to B.
0: Man, Tess, that is a phenomenal 100%, point. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I didn't even think of it that. Yeah, it's like, and I think that ties into I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it's we also can't find. Um I, I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, in a a necromancer, a necromancer performing dark arts in the in the basement of this funeral home. We have no record of that. No employee has anything of like can't even point out a dude who was weird, you know? <laughs> um i think it'd be pretty difficult to hide a satanic uh necromancy operation right
2: i would say so especially just the amount of liquids it would take because remember (laughs) the most and i know we got a lot of eyelids in the movies and that is technically kind of a thing um but the biggest like Drive and magical power and then necroman- necromancy isn't just blood; it's spit and sweat and period oh. blood and all these things. If anyone's seen Midsummer, uh, yeah. that's yeah, baby. literally a actual love potion like thing. Ooh, yeah, yeah,
0: Ooh yeah. no thanks.
2: Not, not very romantic. <laughs> not, no thanks.
0: Not- <laughs> <laughs> um, some other some other kind of debunky things. Um, let's see. Uh, as also is kind of the case with some of these uh no one else has reported any incidences in the house which can be explained they did apparently have a successful exorcism um but what does not come up in a lot of it doesn't certainly doesn't come up in the movie uh was that the house was a duplex there was somebody else living uh there was another person living in the adjacent apartment and they had no issues. <laughs> yeah, I was fine. I had a great yes. time.
1: Zero <laughs> blood water.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> well, one you... thing I find interesting about the cases the Warrens tend to take on is there's usually children in the home. Um, mm. Almost in all of them, or like, you know, especially if you think of the big ones, the Conjuring oh, House, great. the Enfield Poltergeist, even with Annabelle, um, that being like a child's toy and children being involved in their own child allegedly maybe being involved with it. Uh, And it makes me wonder because if you do believe any of this at all, most poltergeists, like most what people believe as true or at least hard to contest poltergeist happenings tend to just peter out because Mm. the children leave puberty. So is it Ed Warren or are children just growing up? Like we even saw in this story, I assume, like all the children aged two to five years. So... If they're mm. all out of puberty, maybe the activity, if there was any, did die down.
0: Very, very interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you kind of can't argue with that. Um, once again, if there was any, like, I, like my my guess would be I, because uh, Carmen Carmen Snedeker does still maintain that this some version of this happened to her family, um, and my guess would be there was a story. That has spiraled, maybe either out of control, maybe the facts and the fiction have blurred, um, or or maybe it is all whole cloth. I don't know, uh, Eric. What, what do you think overall? What are what are your kind of blanket thoughts on this whole haunting that so, I w- that I was fifteen minutes <clears throat> away from growing up? <laughs> so
1: crazy. I think. <laughs> well, what I think is really interesting. So there's a there's a parapsychologist I really like this guy named Stanley Krippner. And one of his theories is that a lot of charlatans and frauds and hoaxers, there may be some like kernel of ability or truth to the stuff they do. Or they may be drawn to real phenomena, but it's so unpredictable and so difficult to control that they kind of like – learn to capitalize on it or learn to come up with little parlor tricks and stuff so specifically this is in the context of like psychics i mean like you saw brian when we did our remote viewing exercises like you actually had some crazy hits
0: it was kind of fucking it was really really nuts really
1: strange but it was also a little bit unpredictable and as we continued on it kind of it felt like it started to peter out a bit But like, imagine if you were doing that professionally and you had to produce produce results every time, you might come up with ways to say, collaborate with the audience or generate results or do cold reading. So I kind of like this idea with the Warrens that like, maybe they find something where there is a little something there. And then they just have this brilliant way of capitalizing it and marketing it and getting book deals and like collaborating with the people involved. But there's like, there's a little fire with all that smoke, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, uh, I also have zero proof of that. It
0: could just be like complete fucking bullshit from top yeah. to bottom. <laughs> um, it's very funny, their general, uh, like Ray Garton. Ray Garten broke kayfabe, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> the wrestling, right. and this, like, so they have to kind of, you can see in interviews with them, they kind of work that into the storyline. <laughs> yes, Yes, which I think is very funny. Uh, Tess, do you have any uh, overall kind of thoughts on this?
2: Um, you know, I think maybe kind of something happened, but I'm, again, not sure if it was narrativized too much or maybe it's something that happened over the course of a week, which would still be terrifying, even if it was a week and not two yeah. years. But I don't believe the whole cloth. However, I do think some of the confused storytelling might be, you know, part of lived trauma. And on top of that, Mm. I also think the Warrens, whatever you want to say about them, um, I think Lorraine maybe did have some significant talent. And it's hard to argue that some of the, most of their cases didn't have some kind of kernel or some kind of real, if not less than phenomena. And I think Ed had a real knack of picking you know, cases that were just about to peter out and taking credit when maybe it's just mm-hmm. the supernatural way of things and not really, you know, an exorcism. Like, I really like that the movie made the Reverend kind of like non denominational. I thought that was That's really true. cool.
0: Um mm-hmm. the uh, the reverend character of course in the the Haunting in Connecticut movie is uh played by Elias Codius who I know as Casey Jones in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Baby. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> there that's is awesome. a Guys, there is a scene in this fucking movie uh where it's not a very good movie. Um but uh, there's a scene in the movie where Elias Codius's reverend character performs the exorcism on the house and accidentally makes it worse. Um But uh, so um, so around 10 minutes later, the mom is explaining to the kids, everything's okay now Um, and then goes downstairs to find um, his name is not Philip in the movie, um, but is covered in immaculate uh, necromantic runes like carved into his skin. Um, And she grabs him and goes, what did you do to yourself? (laughs) And I'm just going to throw this out there. If my home if there's an exorcism performed on my home and 10 minutes later you find immaculate necromantic runes carved into my skin please do not assume i did them myself
1: <laughs> that is like the ultimate form of victim blaming <laughs> <laughs>
2: And it's shocking to see because she like shakes him in the movie. And I'm like, he's covered in blood. He's he's covered in open wounds.
1: How would this even be possible? These are precision (laughs) surgically inscribed. (laughs) It's
2: incredible. I do not think that happened in real life.
0: It, I would say, it definitely did not. Um, the, um, the, you know, the, um, the Conjuring movies do this. You know, like a lot of true stories do this. Um, you know, at the end of a movie that's based on a true story, they might show pictures of like the real family or the real oh, place. So good. Uh, this movie shows black and white photos that they seem to be implying are the real ones, mm. but super are not. <laughs> straight up the sets from the movie oh my god <laughs> but they're in black and white and like a little faded so like yeah you know
1: i wonder why i wonder if the current owners were like absolutely not <laughs> like, mm. under no circumstances
0: well it, i think in reality the real the current like house just isn't that spooky you yeah, know yeah. it's i've shown I've, duplexes i'll post about this
2: aren't scary they're very approachable.
0: duplexes Duplexes are not scary. Tess, are you willing to put down right now on the record, on this barn burner, record-breaking Brian and Eric, uh, <laughs> that everyone will listen to, ghosts cannot haunt duplexes. <laughs>
2: ghosts can't knowingly haunt a duplex. They might not have been duplexes when they were living.
0: Oh, great. got it. Got it. That's got it. Got it. Answer. Got it. So that's okay. So maybe, maybe duplexes (laughs) are the easiest place to exercise. Ed Warren can just go in and, like, yo, this is a duplex. You can't be here. And that goes, like, oh man, sorry, go grab the hat, gotta go.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And the pinstripes and the pinstripe suit. Don't forget about that detail. Which, how would a child even know what that is? (laughs) Great question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, the probably oh not haunting in Connecticut. Eric, we are, we are lucky in that um, we are geographically very close to the state of Connecticut where the Warrens worked out of. So I True. feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg of Warren cases that we're going to kind of go over over the we course of the show. we to all of them eventually we gotta Um, cover all of them right this has to be it's our
1: mount rushmore of uh
0: yeah dude this has to be just yeah the the tip of the iceberg of a greater warren investigation series um and maybe we'll come to some conclusions test maybe are right that there were more kernels than outright (laughs) fabrications maybe we'll find otherwise but our investigation has only begun I, I will say this,
1: Tess, you said something very interesting. You said that that you suspected that Lorraine Warren may have may have actually have some some talent for clairvoyance or something else. what what makes you what makes you say that?
2: Um, because she didn't talk as much as Ed. And I know that yeah, yeah. sounds silly. Uh-huh. No. Um, but in all of the stories that I've covered, um even from new ones, newer ones, like the Bet sphere, to things like the bell witch haunting there's always been a hesitancy or um a light way of explaining it a way of normalizing in your speech where you try to make it seem normal and not that big of a deal that i feel like Mm. she had when speaking off the cuff less so in things that i've heard that are recorded um but in interviews and stuff there just seems to be a a sort of genuineness and i also think that may be how you know people trust her right because talking Mm. about the paranormal is is an act of trust
0: sure for sure for sure interesting very very interesting um you know who might have a great insight tony Sparrow, who we're definitely going to get on this podcast at some point (laughs) even if we have to ambush him at the (laughs) paranormal waterbury connecticut 2022 baby (laughs) we're doing it bro. have you
1: seen anything have you seen any i was looking i was looking for paranormal stuff. have you seen anything yet
0: just just the one that was last year. Yeah, but we're, I mean, we're going to all of it, baby. We're going to all the yeah, Eastern yeah. ones. Every single, New Jer- every single New Jersey high school that is hosting a Paranormicon <laughs> will be there, yeah, baby. <laughs> the only place you can legally host a Paranormicon in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, at a high school. 100%. <laughs> um, I, uh, I think that wraps us up. Am I missing anything? Am I forgetting anything? Are we ready to get out of here? Uh, yeah, I think this was, this was incredible.
1: This was a crazy eye-opening episode.
0: It's a, it's a pretty wild story. Tess, thank you so much for helping us out with your insight. Tess, where, uh, where can everybody find you on the internet?
2: Um, you can find me at Tess Feifel on Twitter, and then all the Astonishing Legends handles, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Newly, um, under Astonishing Legends, and of course, in your feeds there. Uh, additionally, I'm going to plug two things really quick. I'll uh, oh, do it. One, the Astonishing Legends blog. Uh, we got 500 posts there of things too small to be episodes. So check that out if you're ever bored. Um, and another Eric and thing I are just want... going to steal from that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. Things too small to be episodes, suggestion. not for me and Eric.
0: Yeah, we're, we're on it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I have a suggestion after the show for your next topic that I'd be curious oh, to wait. hear your thoughts on. Ooh, and if you wait. want to hear a Warren story- Without the Warrens in it and without any research about the Warrens in it. Um, astonishing Legends has a three-part conjuring series that we released this summer.
1: Ooh. Oh, it's great. It's excellent. Thank you. I can't wait to listen. I really recommend. Yeah. I just rewatched the movie. It's awesome.
0: Um Tess, thank you so much again. We really appreciate you coming here. Um, Eric, is that it? We ready to get out of here? I think I think that's it. Tess, thank you so much again. This was amazing.
2: Thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff.
0: Hell yeah. We hope you come back again soon. <laughs> That's going to wrap up this broadcast for the night. Remember, you can tune in live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv goblin voice, or find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We want to thank Purple Planet and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio for the use of their music. Do you want to get in touch with us? You can join our Discord channel, follow us on Twitter at Brian and Eric Pod, visit our blog at briananderek.show, or email us at spookybriananderek at gmail.com. For both of us here at Brian and Eric Don't Belong Here, thank you for listening, and stay safe out there.